a championship week on this edition of the Seaco Sports Forum podcast. I'm Sherm Chester joined today by Sam Bruno and also from the union leader and uh, New Hampshire hardball.com and New Hampshire football report.com, Roger Brown. Gentlemen, we had a busy week and now everything's taken care of. All the championships have been decided. Am I correct? Everything is final, Sherm. Everything is in the books. And everybody's gone through the graduation season and uh, now kids are just uh, getting ready to call it a summer. School's out almost. Yeah. So let's uh, let's start the week off with, uh, well, here in the Seacoast or here in Exeter in particular, the biggest news was the D1 softball championship for the Exeter Blue Hawk ladies. And wow, what a game. What a game. Could it have been any closer and a wilder finish? in that ball game with uh, Exeter beating Concord by the score of one to nothing, uh, making it two and zero for the Blue Hawk girls softball team over the Concord Crimson Tide, a, a certainly a worthy opponent. And they were uh, two equally matched teams and uh, the, the Blue Hawk girls pulled it off at the end on a wild play at the end where they, uh, they had a ground ball and uh, the bases were loaded and they uh, conquered uh, through the ball to third and got the out. But before that out was recorded, the run crossed the plate. And that was the winning run and the game was over. What a, what a day. I'm thinking kind of big picture here. What a day for the girls softball team from Exeter graduating in the morning for those seniors yeah. and driving 82 miles to Plymouth. <laughs> And then winning a softball championship that night. What a day. Capping off a big day. Uh, I, you know, I watched the game. I, uh, I, I spent the money and uh, subscribed to NFHS Sports Network so that I could uh, watch the game at home. And uh, I'll tell you, uh, whew, that was a slobber knocker. Eight innings. And as you said, a one nothing win for them. Uh, Christine Beebe. She had 15 strikeouts in that game. And uh, the catcher, uh, Emma Plourd, uh, she was doing a great job behind the behind the plate, and uh, at one point caught a foul tip off her thumb, and it was her throwing thumb, and I guess it caught the nail. And of course, you're you're right; they had graduation, so a lot of them were dressed. And she had, I guess, some some of those press-on nails. One of them, when the ball hit it, it snapped it back and cut her thumb uh, right about the first index, and so they patched her up with band-aids and whatever they could. She went right back out there, caught another inning. And then finally in the last inning, they had to put a glove on her. But I, I, I thought Concord would be savvy enough to take advantage of her, but they didn't. And, and because BB was on the money as far as the you know, pitching, she didn't really have much to worry about. They got a couple of people on. They, had, they did threaten. They had a, a runner on third base in the seventh inning and it looked like, uh Oh, this could be bad. But as it turned out, the chips fell in favor of the blue Hawks. And uh, so congratulations to Kristen Morissette and uh, Joe Quinn, all of them. They just put out a, a super effort all season long and uh, it was well worth my investment. I told the coach that afterwards. <laughs> well, were, were you guys aware of what happened in the regular season meeting between those teams? That walk-off, uh, the walk-off grand slam, right? Yeah. That, I mean, as good as the championship game was, I mean, that, yeah. that was one of the more remarkable games I've ever witnessed ever. Now. Okay. We, that was early. Uh, that was late Saturday. That was actually at the end of the day, Saturday, but let's go back in time uh, earlier in the week. You were at the lacrosse championship 
Sam. Tell us about that. Well, again, hosted hosted at Exeter High. Exeter High doing their normal great job hosting tournament action. Uh, they hosted the semifinal round of the Girls Division One lacrosse tournament. Uh, really, no contest in both games. Bishop Girton uh, beat Sauhegan seventeen to eight. Bedford over Pinkerton, 12 to three, uh, both dominant performances by the Cardinals and the Bulldogs in those games. So that set up the final game between the top ranked Girton Cardinals and the second ranked Bedford Bulldogs. It was a game for about a half. Uh, but then in the second half, uh, Bishop Girton pulled away uh, and then they were able to uh, keep possession of the ball. And as you know, in lacrosse, possession is everything. Right. And uh, they were able to just keep the ball on their side of the field for most of the second half. And the Cardinals came away with a 13 to seven win. So Bishop Girton beats the girls uh, in uh, lacrosse tournament action. Yeah. We'll talk more about Bishop Girton in a few minutes, but now we move on to baseball. That was a big day up at Fisher cat stadium, uh, a triple header and uh, Roger, you were there for all the baseball action. So just kind of recap some of the day for us. Yeah, it was actually four games, Sherm. Um, oh, I'm sorry, four divisions. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I guess it was highlighted by the Division One game. Um, you know, it was two to nothing. Pinkerton won. Uh, Pinkerton beat Exeter in the semifinals. And uh, Liam Doyle, who's you know one of the better pitchers in the state, he was he was a star that day. Struck out 15, and um, you know held Londonderry to two hits. So that was good enough for a two to nothing win. Um, probably one of the better pitching performances you'll see in the championship game. Uh, Hollis Brookline won the late game, which was the division two championship. Uh, Sunapee beat new market in the division to win the division four title. And then Monadnock repeated in division three, uh, pretty, um, uh, lopsided win over interlakes just takeaways from all those games and uh, some of the players that, uh, you know, had their shining moment. Yeah. Well, the, you know, the first two games were lopsided, so it wasn't really a star of the show. Um, you know, I think uh, Newmarket lost 10 to nothing. They were without probably their best player who was injured and probably would have pitched that day. Um, Monadnock was just a, a, a terrific hitting team. No cheapies at all put one out, one kid put one out of the park, uh, which is not easy to do there. Uh, very impressed with their, their lineup offensively. And then the last two games were, you know, pitching. It was, it was the Doyle kid for Pinkerton and the kid, uh, I may get his last name wrong, but I think it's Padge uh, McShane from Hollis Brookline uh, tossed a complete game uh, to beat St. Thomas. So you know, I would say Doyle and the two pitchers in the last two games were the ones who stood out the most, I would say. And uh, any of these guys' prospects going on? Yeah, yeah. Doyle could get drafted. He's going to play at Coastal Carolina if he doesn't, which is, you know, a strong Division One program. Um, you know, and he, he's you know, he's right up there with Joe Allen, probably from Winnicott as, you know, if not the best pitcher in the state. You could argue one, two, either way. So, uh, lefty who throws hard, very good pitcher. Um, you know, he was, he was the strength of the picker to team him and, uh, Tom Rio, their other, their other, uh, pitcher who was 10 and 0. Um, and you know, once, once Portsmouth lost, got upset by London area, you know, everything favored Pinkerton in that championship game for sure. 
Londonderry didn't have its best pitcher going. They're a young team, extremely young. Uh, Pinkerton had lost to them the year before in the uh, tournament, so they had the motivation. And, uh, you know, it was pretty much what people expected, I think. You know, low-scoring, dominant pitching by both both teams. Now, the weather was fine. There was no weather issues that day, right? And uh, how was the crowd? Crowd was good. You know, it's a big park, so it's not really – uh, you know, it's not, it doesn't give you that packed atmosphere, but it was mm-hmm. well attended and, uh, yeah, weather was fine. It was, it was warm. Good day. I did hear they had some sort of ticket snafu problem where they couldn't print tickets and they weren't letting people in, even if they were paying cash for the third game. So that was a bit of a, that kind of marred things. Um, I know some people didn't get to the Pinkerton game till the third inning, even though they were there at three 30, a half an hour before wow. first pitch. So. What were they doing that new, uh, uh, cashless setup that they you use your phone or whatever. Is that how it was? I really don't know. Sure. I, I was just told that they, the line was long and they wouldn't let people in if they were paying cash. So I, you know, I was wow. in the press box working at that point, but I won't name the golf course, but I, I was covering a golf tournament years ago and, and tried to get a soda or something. And pay, went to pay with cash, and the, and the waitress told me, "Yeah, we don't accept cash, sir." So I don't know what you do in those cases. Progress, know. yeah. Well, softball uh, was going on up at Plymouth State, as we mentioned, uh, the same time on Saturday, and uh, they had four division champions there. I'm sorry, I've left out that fourth division. Uh, we mentioned the Blue Hawks took the Division One title. Division Two went to Cobra Brown Northwood. Division Three that went to Prospect Mountain, and the Division Four champions softballs. Uh, softball team is the Woodsville Engineers. So congratulations to all those teams. Uh, and then we went into Sunday, Super Sunday for boys lacrosse. The only thing we were sweating out is if it would rain. And it got dark a couple of times, but nothing happened. So that was a good thing. Um, <laughs> well, let's let's go with the, the, the best game of the day. It had to be the first game. And that was the Division Three matchup. Laconia, the Sachems took out the Hopkinton Hawks. And the final there was 12 to 10. That was a, that was a slobber knocker back and forth, back and forth. Uh, division two, the Portsmouth Clippers, uh, they took on the Dairyfield school Cougars and, uh, they came up a, a winner, big winner in that one. Uh, that was kind of like a walk away and the beginning was a little tight, but then, then the Portsmouth just put it down. And then talk about putting the hammer down, uh, in the D one game, we had the extra blue Hawks taking on the Bishop Girton Cardinals. And uh, the Cardinals came out on top. The final was 11-6 to six over the Blue Hawks. But I'll tell you, the Blue Hawks had n- nothing to hang their head about. They, they put it all out on the line. Bishop Girton just I, – I saw this Girton semi against Pinkerton, and I knew that Exeter had their hands full because Bishop Girton just – they have a, a real methodical way of playing lacrosse, and uh, Matt Brewster has his way of doing it, and uh, – they nullified Bishop Burton, shut down a couple of our key guys. And uh, it just, you know, wasn't our day. But I, I, the season in whole, the Bullhawks have nothing to hang their head about. They they were a juggernaut. We were just hoping that home cooking would have given us a bigger advantage. <laughs> Earning that number one seed, that's an honor right there for a team that uh, was a young team. And they'll, they'll be back next season. Oh, they will. And Matt Brewster, I mean, that was one thing I, I noticed the guys in the booth, uh, like I say, for the broadcast. They were giving him kudos for a first-year coach to do what he did with that team. Now, granted, uh, Jerry Hawley left him, 
uh, a lot of key players, a lot of talent, but you have to, you know, you're the new kid in town. You're the new coach. You have to get people to buy into to your system. And they did. Bishop Girton, they had a better day. That's all. We'll put it that way. 11 to six was the final score, but congratulations to uh, the Cardinals and especially to the Blue Hawks for, for all the guys that uh, put it all on the line all season long. They did a great job. Now, speaking about new coaches, let's shift gears. Are they, did we cover all the sports before we do? All the high school sports. Uh, I'll just uh, quickly, uh, girls tennis division one went to Dover. Uh, volleyball, spring volleyball division one went to Hollis Brookline. Uh, boys tennis division one went to Hanover. And unified volleyball division one went to Dover. That's right. That was Dover. I was at that game. That was that, that, was, that was a fun game. Those two teams, uh, Oyster River and Dover, came out to play, and uh, that was I was glad I was there that day for that one too. Oh, and we want to congratulate the girls' track team, Exeter track team, Blue Hawk track team, for their championship, state championship as well. All right. Now, speaking of first-year coaches, the Celtics have found themselves in the championship series against the favored Golden State Warriors. They, they, they let their opportunity get away from them over the weekend to take a three-to-one advantage. Uh, give me some input, Sam. You said it. Through five games, the theme is missed opportunities for the Celtics. Uh, bad four minutes at the end of game four, losing at home. Awful first quarter um, on Monday night against Golden State, put them in a hole again. They rallied late, but you just can't turn the ball over 18 times leading to 22 golden state points and missed 10 free throws. So that's 32 points right there that you messed up. And uh, their fourth quarter, I, the Celtics are finding new ways to lose. <laughs> it's like every night it's a different, it's a different way. And uh, the experience of golden state is coming to the top right now. Roger, you've been paying attention to it. I have, Sherm. I got to be honest with you. I, I find the NBA almost unwatchable, um, and I haven't followed it for years. But I've tuned in to the championship series, and now I know why I find it unwatchable. It's just not good. It's a three-point shooting fest. There's long stretches where nobody plays defense. Officiating is terrible. I mean, I'll watch the rest of it and then good riddance. Not to be a curmudgeon, but I don't even know how you can compare this to like the NCAA basketball tournament. You know, I mean, good point. Good well, point. No, well, thank you. Tony Brothers, who was the lead official in that fifth game, uh, he took over in the fourth quarter and he made some unbelievable calls uh, <laughs> down the stretch there. And the complaining by the Celtics. Every single play, there's guys flopping and jumping up and yelling at the refs. Doesn't do any good. <laughs> Doesn't do any good. You got, you got to focus. I mean, I'm not locked into it because I, I try and watch and it just doesn't hold my attention. So it's one of those on in the background. But I, I think it was Marcus Smart. I saw him take a charge last night that they called the block that I don't even know how you can argue it. And I know it's a hard game to officiate, but when they do play defense, you got to reward them, you know. Um, compared to back years ago with the championship series, you have three officials. Now you've got the triangle out there. It used to be just two guys. So that, you know, third guy should be giving you another set of eyes and another perspective towards what's going on out there. I agree with you, Roger. There's a lot that gets like, I saw Marcus smart. Uh, I believe it was smart walk with the ball and nobody called traveling. I mean, 
Oh God, that hasn't happened for twenty years. Sir. That, I mean, has he, I don't even think that's in the rule book anymore, is it? No, no, I don't. No, no, no they they, they replaced it with Eurostep. The thing about it to me is, it's been obvious in all these games that I've watched with the Celtics. It is. It's a game of runs. Uh, who holds the momentum last night, the Celtics had a great third quarter and then they just fell apart in the fourth. What got me was Tatum was hitting threes from where on the, on the court, they have the logo for the NBA. It says finals. He was hitting those things lights out in the third quarter. Then he starts getting into that corner again. And that shot wasn't going for him. And then the worst part with Tatum was he was trying to go up and over and then, you know, in the lane and get a two plus one. Well, the flop didn't work, and the ball wasn't going in the hoop anyway. So, I mean, I, I, Tatum has just been kind of, uh, I don't know, I, he's, he's kind of an enigma. That's the word I was looking for. And he's an enigma. I don't know how to figure him. I mean, he's a good player. No, I'm not questioning his playing ability, but just you don't know what you're going to get on a given night. Uh, but then the big surprise of the game uh, last night on game five was the uh, fact that uh, Steph Curry, in the first time seems like forever went zero for 17 in three three point attempts missed opportunity another missed opportunity for the celtics how many nights like that do yeah. you get for curry you've said it and i buy into what you said before the series started that if you key in on curry you're gonna lose just let him shoot his 40 points key in on everybody else and last night curry couldn't hit the broad side of a barn and then the other guys came through for the for the warriors so i don't know the celtics are best right now when they move the ball, drive, and kick the ball out. Then they get the open shot, whether it be White or Brown or Tatum. That's what they need to do. They can't just go one-on-one against this Warrior defense. It's not working. Let's get to some good news. How about those 8-2 and two West Coast Road Trip Boston Red Sox? All right, we'll talk about the Red Sox. Tell us, tell us your take on that, and Roger, you can throw in too. These these are going to be known as the wild card Red Sox. Okay. They're, they're fighting for that wild card. Okay. And that's what we're going to do this for the rest of the season is fight for the wild card. There are three wild cards in the American league this year. So you need to fight for that. that one of those three wild card slots and the Red Sox go out West and boy, they perform very, very well. They get some solid starting pitching. They get some solid uh, hitting. They get some solid bullpen work and they turn things around just when you thought that they were going to go into the tank. They turn it around. Now, we'll see how they do against Oakland and St. Louis coming up to Fenway Park this coming week to see how they do there. But uh, I was in, I was encouraged by the the way the Red Sox played. Do you think Tanner Hawk is going to be their new closer? Uh, they have to they have to determine a, a role for Hawk. And uh, unfortunately, Whitlock now has gone on the injured list. Uh, that's going to be a problem. Uh, I don't know if Nick Pavetta is going to do it in the long run. And I don't know about Michael Walker in the long run. And Avaldi's on the, the, the shelf now. Uh, and Chris Sale threw 96 miles an hour the other day. So who mm. knows what's going to heal. He'll be up with the team in a couple of weeks, I think. Roger, what I wanted to ask you about when it comes to Major League Baseball, I, I, you, you're into it and, and you follow all the, all the teams. What, what's your take on uh, there seems to be a pitch, all the big name pitching is going out. I mean, just the, the arms are falling off. Uh, Walker Bueller just went down the other day and he's out for probably six to eight weeks or it looks at least till the all-star break. I guess they like to coach it a little bit, but what's your take on, on, on what's happening this year with the pitching in particular? The, 
the, not just in the major league, Sherman, and I don't know enough about it to, to give you an answer, but it seems to me, I, I'm doing a story for tomorrow's union leader on the last Pinkerton team that won it before this year's team. In the championship mm-hmm. game that year, both pitchers went all 12 innings. It was a 12-inning game. And my point is we didn't have pitching rules back then. Kids, you know, pitched forever. What, pros were probably the same way. You know, they used to throw 100 whatever pitches in a game. And we have more sore arms today when we hold the kids back or the pros back. And I'm not saying it's the wrong thing to do, but it's, it's, something is weird. I mean, you, you know you know my point? Yeah. I mean, there's more arm injuries than ever. And we're babying the, the pitchers more than we ever have. So I, I don't know if it's the type of pitches that are being thrown. I, I'm, I'm not an expert in this area to know, but I, I do find it a little strange, you know, um, the number of arm injuries, not just in the major leagues, but throughout baseball, even youth leagues. The culprit, the culprit is spin rate. I think uh, everybody's trying to spin that ball up there and uh, they're, they're doing some sort of uh, mechanism with their arm uh, that they're getting sore and doing those types of situations. Uh, uh, I, I agree with you, Roger. I think the day of the days of uh, nine inning, nine inning complete games, uh, we, we've seen a couple this year, but that's about it. Uh, was it, who was it? Was it Pavetta? Pavetta went nine innings the other day, the other day. Uh, so, you know, you're not going to see that much. Um, Roger, I have one question for you. Um, I've been watching a lot of the College World Series this week, uh, super regionals, uh, teams like Stanford and Texas A&M and Oklahoma, uh, UConn, those teams. Um, boy, uh, I haven't watched a lot of metal bat baseball in a while. But my goodness, does the ball fly off those metal bats? Uh, what do you yeah. think about that? Not a big fan of the metal bats. Not a big fan, you know. Um, and they're a big money maker, though. I'll tell you that because all the kids, you know, having coached youth baseball, they all want whatever the latest and greatest is every year. And ironically, they seem to come out with the latest and greatest every year. Go figure, right? Um, and that's one thing, you know, coaching Legion baseball where you have to use a wooden bat, the kids that have used nothing but metal, they, they kind of just stare at their bat and wonder what's going wrong. How have I, why have I forgotten how to hit, you know, and point being, you can hit just about anything with a metal bat and it'll go and you, you gotta, you know, you gotta, a smaller sweet spot, I guess, is the easiest way to explain it with a wooden bat. So um, I know they've done some things to, you know, to, uh, reduce, I guess, exit velocity or, or what have you with the metal bats, but it's um, it's a different game for sure, you know. For sure. You know, I just want to make one point about the pitching. Uh, you look at the mechanics of some of these pitchers that are, are going down. Some of them are control pitchers, but some, I think, are just trying to be too fine. I, I, that's what I'm noticing is they just try to be too fine, hit the corners, just, you know, the old fashioned, like Nolan Ryan, just get that ball and fire it in, just see if he, you know, and he had good mechanics. That's why he lasted as long as he did. Um, and there weren't too many of his generation. I mean, he had great ones like Sandy Koufax and, and that generation, but their, their arms went out fast too, but you know, whatever. Uh, the other question I was going to ask you about baseball, uh, Rogers, now you mentioned it, American Legion. So what's your schedule looking like uh, for the summer now? Well, we opened last night, Sherm, with a win. Um, hopefully it's not the only one we get. Um, 
but it's pretty much baseball three or four nights a week. Uh, there's two Exeter teams, both play their home games at Phillips Exeter during the week. So if anybody's in the area and wants to stop by the fields, um, you know, we got a young, it's basically like a junior varsity and a varsity is basically what it works out to. So it'll be a busy summer. And the other thing before we uh, go to our two minute drill, I just want to ask you, Raj, uh, any highlights or, or, or headlines coming up from uh, your website, New Hampshire hardball, or how about New Hampshire football report? Anything big there? Well, I'm going to have an all state team for uh, on the New Hampshire hardball site. Sherman. It'll just be one team all divisions, no second team, no honorable mention. You know, this is not the give mm. everybody a trophy uh, team. Mm. And then uh, we'll get cranking up with football. You know, um, all the all the college magazines are on the newsstands now, so it'll be here uh, before you know it. You got any camps coming up? Or There's a camp at Exeter High Saturday uh, for linemen, and it's open okay. to anybody in the state. Uh, 9.30 to 11.30. And registration for that is on uh, negridiron.com. Negridiron.com. Okay, good. Well, uh, two-minute drill time. Sam, why don't you lead us off? Okay. Um, you know, I try to keep things light as much as possible on this show and make sports fun. But it's not much fun in Brookline, Massachusetts this week. Uh, the U.S. Open Golf Tournament has come to Massachusetts, which should be a celebration and hasn't been in this area for years and years and years. But the big cloud over it is the appearance of the LIV golfers who have been suspended or left voluntarily to go to the Saudi Arabian League and uh, to make big bucks over there. And it seems like people are lining up and taking sides right now. Uh, I'm not a very political person. Um, I really don't... Uh, I want to expound a lot on my causes and beliefs in that area. But whenever you get into politics and sports together, it's going to get real messy, uh, whether it's uh, standing for the national anthem or Colin Kaepernick or now uh, human rights violations by the Saudis. Um, it's not going to be easy. It's not going to be happy. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see how golfers like Phil Mickelson and Dustin Johnson are greeted by the crowds of the PGA. Um, and golf also is a real finicky sport right now. You think about Augusta National and the PGA, and they've got their history and their rules. And, uh, you know, come on, it's a golf tournament. It's guys hitting the ball, trying to put it in a little hole. Uh, let's, mm. let's not get too excited about all this. But it's going to be messy. And it's going to be messy for a while. You think back about the um, NFL and the USFL and when Doug Flutie went to the New Jersey Generals and things like that and all that kind of mess. You know, he was called greedy for going for the money. Uh, you know, when is when is, you know, the movie Wall Street greed is good. I mean, is that is that ever going to happen again? Who knows? Uh, this is not going to be an easy fix for this golf league right now. And and too bad. I like watching golf and I, I, I enjoy it. Uh, but this is going to be a mess and it's going to be a mess for a while. Yeah. And uh, I guess from what I read in the paper there, uh, Mickelson in particular is, is the, you know, the guy that's taken the most heat. And uh, I guess he's throwing him, himself out on the court of uh, public opinion that, you know, Hey, he, he, uh, he owed a lot of money because of some gambling debts, I guess. And that uh, has been paid off and taken care of. So that isn't why he joined this tour, but 
the fact that there's so much money out there uh, for them to win and, and everybody wins. It's like going back to what you said about everybody gets a trophy, Roger. Everybody's going to get a hunk of money playing in that, that, what is it called? LIV league. Nobody loses. Everybody takes home some cash. All right, Roger, your two minute drill. Um, just a reminder that the Chad all-star football game is coming up. I believe they start practice this Thursday. Uh, one of the teams is the East team, which would include Exeter and Winnicott and the Seacoast kids is practicing at St. Thomas. And the other team, the West is practicing at Manchester West. And the game is June 25th at St. Anselm college. Uh, obviously a very good cause uh, children's hospital at Dartmouth. So if you're so inclined, uh, you may want to go see some high school football and, and support uh, a worthy cause. It's always a fun game. And, and uh, again, the dates on that? June 25th is the game at St. Anselm College. I think it's a, I think it's a 1 p.m. kickoff stream. All right. Thank you. And my two-minute drill, I just want to wrap up by saying congratulations to all the champions of the state and all, all the teams that, that participated in the, the spring sports. Uh, all the kids go out there and uh, just put it all out on the line, no matter what sport it is. And uh, I was privileged to be able to get involved with it. And Sam was as well. So, you know, just uh, thanks. Thanks for a great season. And okay, we'll keep it home, home brew here. The Blue Hawks uh, had, had a great year. Congratulations to all the teams and the seniors. Good luck to you in your future endeavors. Use that old cliche, but uh, you know, the, the announcement that we read up there in the booth is that, uh, you know, not everybody's going to make it to college to play sports. So to the underclassmen, enjoy your years. Do your best out there. You know what? It, it's worth it. It really is. And congratulations again to all the state attorney champs. And that wraps up this edition of the Seaco Sports Forum. So on behalf of Sam Bruno and Roger Brown from the Union Leader and the Hampshire Hardball and New Hampshire Football Report, I'm Sherm Chester. Don't forget to watch the episodes of the Seaco Sports Forum on our Seaco Sports Forum YouTube page. And when you're there, hit the bell to subscribe and like us. And if you have any sports photos or game videos you'd like to send us or comments, Seco Sports Forum at yahoo.com. 